the Anaheim Ducks have not one, but two former New York Rangers on the roster. And we have a special guest joining us to talk about that on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, everyone? I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, covering hockey for a long time. And I am not alone. I'm joined by a special guest. I like your flag in the background. Ladies and gentlemen, John Chick from Locked On New York Rangers on this special crossover edition. John, how's it going? JD, I'm great, man. Uh, happy to join the show here with you and talk a little bit of hockey. And obviously, uh, you know, the Ducks going out there, signing a couple of now former New York Rangers. So, uh, yeah, man, how, how are you feeling? You feeling good about that? You know, I, I, I got to make you feel at home. I don't know if you can see that in the background, but got to make you feel at home. It's only fitting. Former Rangers, current Duck. I love it, man. I love the the jersey there for the Rangers, and you got the old school Ducks jersey going on. That's good stuff right there in the background. Love it. It's the best jersey of them all. Come on. No, it's up there. No it's, one. It's like top couple for sure. Yeah, no one likes the current jerseys. Old school all the way. <laughs> yes, sir. So there are two former Rangers. One of them you had for not even a half season. So I guess we could start on that. Talking about Frank Vetrano. You had him for, what, a cup of coffee. Uh, how did that whole trade start to begin with? Because it was a mid-season. I think it was a trade deadline deal, right? Yeah, man, that was a weird one. We were about a, about a week away from the trade deadline there. That was the first of several uh, rental players that the Rangers brought in as they prepared for the home stretch of the regular season and obviously also the playoffs. And uh, basically, uh, the reason it was uh, surprising is because you, know, you don't very often see teams, um, you know, trade with each other when they're both in contention. You know, obviously, the Rangers and Panthers were both going to be in the playoffs. The Panthers end up uh, winning the President's Trophy. And you just don't see deals like that between two teams that are, you know, potentially going to meet each other in the playoffs. If the Panthers had somehow gotten by the Lightning, then obviously they could have met each other in the Eastern Conference Final. But, uh, yeah, man, when when that trade went through, I, at first I was kind of like, Frank Petrano, like, what, this is kind of weird. But then I looked at it, you know, a little bit closer. By the time I did my now, uh, I had talked myself into it because I said, you know, all we gave up was a fourth-round draft pick. Who cares? Let's just do this. Um, you know, I mean, not that, like, you can't possibly strike gold with a fourth-round pick, but what are the odds that that pick's really going to come back and kill the Rangers? Not very high. And on top of that, you know, they needed a little bit of help uh, at right wing in general and also with their depth scoring. And they needed somebody that kind of had that shoot first mentality. And Frank Vitrano has that. I've talked about this before on my podcast. There's a lot of guys on this team that they are selfless to a fall. Everybody wants to make that perfect pass and that beautiful play and set up their buddy. Frank Vitrano, you know, man, he gets the puck. He's got a little bit of opening. He's going to let it rip at the net. And sometimes you definitely need that. And um, I think he was, you know, a complimentary player that uh, his style really helped the Rangers, gave them something that they were lacking and a uh, very fast player as well. Very good on the rush. So uh, somebody that, you know, I was thinking he might get about like three years, three million. I was talking about that on my podcast. Obviously, the Ducks paid a little bit more, but they've also got a ton of cap space. So uh, I, I think the price is about right for him. It might be a little high, but uh, not the kind of move that I, I think you'll end up regretting. I think you're going to like Vitrano for sure. And you talk about the shot. I've heard multiple reports that he's got a heavy shot which is something the Ducks desperately need. They're still going after a couple guys in free agency. The Ducks still have cap space as we speak. But you talk about losing a lot of guys on that Ducks roster, a lot of them to free agency, others to, well, frankly, <laughs> the trade deadline. I don't know if you remember, the Ducks were on a complete sell-off last season, giving up multiple players, a couple defensemen, and Ricard Raquel, another big shot. So I look at 
Frankie as being that replacement for that kind of player. What do you think are some of his biggest strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, with the with the strengths, I think you gotta first of all start with that shot. I mean, I know we touched on that a minute ago, but I mean, he can truly let it fly for sure. Uh, I think something else that he brings, and it's a little bit more of an intangible, uh, but he definitely brings some fire to the rink as well. You know, a little bit of feistiness, a little bit of chippiness. Uh, I've noticed that. You know, he doesn't necessarily go looking for trouble, but there will be some instances where, you know, say there's a the opposing goalie freezes the puck. Uh, he won't he won't like give him a snow shower or anything like that. But there's times where he'll kind of just kind of linger in the crease there. And it's one of those things like he he's not looking for trouble necessarily. But if somebody wants to mix it up with him, he'll, he'll definitely oblige a little bit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you like that? You like a little bit of edge, a little bit of feistiness? Who I do. Right. Yeah. 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 He takes so on the Nick Delorier role from there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's definitely got that going for him. Uh, again, just a little bit of an edge to his game. Um, and I, I think he's somebody that uh, would not necessarily feel out of place on any given line. When he first came over to the Rangers, if I'm not mistaken, they started him on the third line, which would make sense because, you know, the Rangers were having a nice season for themselves. And, uh, you know, you don't want to do too much to upset the apple cart and whatnot. But uh, the, the line I really wanted to see him with was actually with Strom and with Panarin because they're both such great passers. And I'm like, okay, so now they've got their sniper there. They can set him up all day. And they did that for a little while too. And then they shuffled the deck again. And he was up there on the top line uh, with Mika and Kreider. And that's where he was for pretty much the rest of the season. And, and the playoffs too, right? Playoff run. Yeah, that's playoffs. what I wanted to bring yeah, yeah. up. I wanted to bring up that playoff run because I sure. thought he brought his game to another level in the playoffs. And frankly, I thought New York might re-sign him just because I thought he had an excellent playoff run, a couple of key goals in that playoffs as well. So when you talk yeah. about someone that brings intangibles, but also brings a deft scoring ability, which I like, he had a quite a few good assists on that run, especially that second round. Man, I legit thought New York might have a chance to go all the way to the cup final. And frankly, yeah. the Rangers were almost there. And he was a part of it. Yeah, exciting times, man. And, you know, he, he scored what could have been the biggest goal of their season because, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, it, it, you probably know the one I'm talking about, but game six at Tampa. Yep. You know, watching that game, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I mean, Tampa clearly was the better team for pretty much that entire game. But, you know, it's one nothing, and it's still one nothing, and it's still one And it's like, man, you know, just one chance, one chance. That's all we need. You get the power play. Uh, they win the faceoff, clean back to Vitrano, and he just lets it fly, and they score, and I'm oh. jumping out of my couch. And, he yeah, ripped just, that one. Yeah, dude. As soon play. as he I mean, scored. As soon as he scored yeah. that, I said, we're going seven. We might be going seven here. <laughs> I was hoping for I, I was seven. hopeful, man. And then, uh, you know, 21 seconds later or whatever it was, Stamco scores, and you just kind of sink back into your couch. But, uh, yeah. yeah, man, uh, he's a heck of a player, got a heck of a shot. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I think the price is right for you guys, especially when you consider that, you know, you guys have cap space to burn. So I, I think, you know, the price is absolutely right for him to, to bring him in. Yeah, and you alluded to the other player that the Ducks got. And we'll talk about this after this brief timeout from Bet Online, which is the one place that has you covered, the one place that we trust. And the line's already out for the Stanley Cup next season. And right now, the New York Rangers are kind of in that top area as far as who could win the Cup. They're not quite the favorites, but they're among the favorites to go back to the Stanley Cup, which is really awesome to see. The Ducks, not so much, but... <laughs> You already have the Stanley Cup odds, and you have Major League Baseball, boxing, MMA. And once again, Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. So you could use your laptop, or you could use your mobile device like I have here with a lot of messages. And you could head over to Bet Online, which is 
where the game starts. And by the way, Bet Online is the official online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And John, they should gamble responsibly. And by gambling responsibly, probably don't put any money on the Coyotes or the Blackhawks. Don't do it. Probably a safe assumption. I, I don't think the Coyotes and Blackhawks are putting much money on themselves these days. So that's probably a good good piece of advice there, JD. Yeah, so bet responsibly, folks. So another player that's a former Ranger, and this one you had for a while. I'll let you lead this one off. Stromy, gone from the Rangers. Talk to us about him for a hot minute. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it was tough saying goodbye to him. He's been here for a while, and, I mean, you don't really think of him as, like, a grizzled veteran. I, I think he's still, like, 28 or 29 years old. But uh, as far as the <laughs> New York Rangers veteran. are concerned. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as far as the New York Rangers are concerned, I mean, that that is grizzled veteran status because they are such a young team. And I was looking at your depth chart too, J.D. It looks like he's about the third or fourth oldest uh, forward on the team. So, uh, for starters, I mean – Let's go back to where it started. I mean, the Rangers, they they acquired Ryan Spooner in a trade that sent uh, Nash to the Bruins. Right. And then they flipped Spooner to Edmonton, and they bring in Ryan Strom. And what a trade that was because uh, Spooner only played about 35 more NHL games after that happened. So they bring in Strom, and, you know, they're, they're figuring out how to use him. And he eventually gets a crack, you know, in the top six on the second line. And him and Artemi Panarin, boom, instant chemistry. Those two have linked up for uh, some of those beautiful goals that the Rangers have scored over these past couple of seasons here. Uh, they obviously are very close both on and off the ice. I'm sure you know, Panarin was probably a little bit bummed that uh, they couldn't hang on to his guy Ryan Strom there. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, he, he does – he has some flaws in his game. I, I think namely – I mean, I, I could go through a couple of them real quick here, but um, he's not the best face-off guy. You're probably going to settle in about 45 46% win percentage. Um he doesn't, you know, really uh, play that grinding style that so many of the truly elite centers in the NHL do, where they'll go to the dirty parts of the rink or they'll kind of set up shop in front of the net, whatever it might be. Although, to be fair, neither does Trevor Zegras, who could be the first line center for the Ducks next season. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it's one of those things like it's obviously nice to have, but if you do enough other good things, you know, that that can make up for it. Right. Um, and I think, you know, to, to piggyback off of what you just said there, that's probably why Ryan Strom ends up at $5 million a year and not like $7 million a year, because he does have some holes in his game. Um, I alluded to this before when we were ta- talking about Vetrano, but uh, just an excellent passer, uh, somebody that I-, I think is definitely a good teammate. You know, he, uh, I mean, granted the Rangers had six alternate captains this past season, but he was one of them, and yeah, I think and that's a... I've a heard that a lot about him. I've heard into. that. I've yeah. heard that. He's terrific in the locker room, by the way, and one of those guys that will have your back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, his teammates seem to just absolutely love him. They, they seem to really gravitate to him. And I think, you know, the more time that went by with him, you know, on the Rangers, the more comfortable he got with that, uh, being willing to kind of, you know, speak up when he had to. Um, and a good example of that is uh, not not to bring up bad memories for Ranger fans as far as all the Tom Wilson nonsense is concerned. <laughs> but when he did that, man, when he's out there ragdolling Panarin and, and you know, cross-checking Buchnevich from behind in the back of the neck, I mean, Strom's in there mixing it up. He's, like, jumping on Wilson and, and putting him in a headlock and trying to pull him off of Buchnevich. And then, you know, he gets mixed up with somebody else, and that's when Wilson goes after uh, goes after Panarin. Panarin yeah. And then, uh, you know, they had the rematch a couple of nights later. He got into a fight that night. There's no way Ryan Strom was going to play 60 minutes without getting into at least <laughs> one fight that night. He, he was ready to throw down. So uh, not the biggest guy. And, again, there are some flaws in his game. You'd like to see him play, you know, a bit more of a grinding style. But 
uh, a tremendous passer and you know somebody with a little bit of versatility too can play center can play some right wing depending on what your needs are but uh yeah man always a polarizing ranger but somebody that i really like i, I think i probably like him more than the average ranger fan um but yeah man just just did a great job for the rangers over the years in, in my very humble opinion yeah and looking down down the middle you have zegris that could be a one i would put strom at that second line and then down the middle, you'd have Mason McTavish, who is that grinding type of center who does one faceoff. So, hey, the Ducks have at least one grinder in there, which Mason McTavish, one of the best junior seasons from a Ducks prospect in a long time, by the way. And fourth line, Isaac Lundestrom, who can get to the dirty areas. So the Ducks do have those kind of players. But I think about the transition game of Strom, which is a pretty good strength, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the uh, five the five by five contract, you alluded to this, that some people were saying he could get upwards of six to seven million. I was even seeing a couple outlets saying he could get six years. So considering what he could have gotten and considering what other sites like Evolving Hockey projected him to get, that five by five contract doesn't look too bad by comparison, right? Yeah, that's not bad at all, man. I figured he'd probably come in around five and a half million. And by the way, I, I did see that one projection they had him making like $7.1 million next season. And I'm thinking like, wow, like that's that's top coin to pay to, to Ryan Strom. He is a good player. I don't know if he's $7.1 million good. But uh, to me, that this seems about right. It seems about fair. I mean, I, I wonder if maybe uh, Strom left a couple of dollars on the year, uh, on the table, excuse me, as far as average annual value in order to get that extra year. I, I think that's at least possible. Um, he is coming off of a two-year deal that paid him $4.5 million annually. I think he's probably... Uh, you know, entitled to a little bit of a raise, and he got it here. To me, it seems pretty fair. I mean, maybe five years is a little bit much, but by that same token, you know, again, he's only, in fact, I have it in front of me. He is 29 years old, so he'll still be 34. It's not like he's going to be ancient when that contract runs out. And, Correct. Yeah. Uh, again, you know what? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just like Vitrano, man, I, I think it's a fair deal, and I think you're going to end up liking Ryan Strom quite a bit. And final thing I want to touch on, because you did point out that both these new Ducks have played on the same line together. So what's your recollection about seeing Vetrano and Strom on the same line? That would be interesting because, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, Strom is the facilitator. He's the excellent passer. Vetrano's the guy with just a lethal shot. So if you want to throw the two of them together, I'm maybe like, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm looking at your roster here. I mean, to me, that would seem like maybe like a second line pairing. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny. I actually wanted to ask you that, JD, before we get going here, mm -hmm. because I think Ranger fans would be interested in this. Do you see them as, like, second liners, maybe on the same line together? Would one be on the third line? I mean, just any any thoughts on that? It looks like Strom is tailor-made for the second line, looking at the depth chart. Short answer, yes, and I'll tell you why. Because the Ducks have pretty much their first line set. They already have Zegris as leading the one. So, yes, I know he's only 21 years old, but they already have him on that first line projected. And you likely see Troy Terry on a wing with Zegris. Those two have a good chemistry together. So that second line could very easily be Vetrano, Strom, and someone else on the wing. You could put Max Jones there. There could be another signing there. Who knows? Adam Henrique could be an interesting guy that could be either that first line or second line wing along with Strom and Vetrano, which I think is fair. But also the Ducks... They still need to make some signings and still need to fill out their roster. They still have Silverberg, who had been injured most of last season. So you also have to put him in there somewhere. You have to put Sam Carrick, probably third or fourth line. McTavish will be a third line center. Max Jones will be in there. Derek Grant, probably fourth line. Max Comtois could be in there as well. But as far as Stroma Vetrano, I could see them both between second line, third line. 
Frank Vetrano could be second, probably could be third line because I think Vetrano with McTavish could be interesting because McTavish is a facilitator as well and does get to the dirty areas. And I could imagine having Vetrano as being that heavy shot from maybe the faceoff dots and McTavish getting his big body in the way of a goaltender and providing that good screen in front of opposing goalies. So I could see two or three on that line. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it looks like you guys definitely have some options there, and that that's always a good thing. And uh, one other thing, JD, that I should mention before we call it here, man, like anytime the Rangers play one of their former players, guaranteed that guy is going to have a multi-point night. So if the two of them are together, and I... I Rangers and Ducks actually play each other. I checked before we did this. Fourth game of the season, I believe, October 17th. I know, which makes me upset because I'm going to be in New York in November right when the Ducks leave. It's not going to make sense for me to go over there, come back, then go over there again. Just not going to make any sense. Yeah, I hear you. Alter your your game plan if you can a little bit there. but uh, It's New York Marathon. (laughs) You know. Uh, They they will absolutely combine for like six points, though, against, against the Rangers, though. I have no doubts. I'm hoping so. Uh, John, before we let you go, where can the fine folks find you online? Where can they find your podcast? Yeah, so, I mean, you can find this podcast anywhere that you're listening to JD's Fine Podcast. And uh, as far as, you know, where to find me, you can find me on Twitter at JChick17 and then also the uh, show's handle as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And we are also on YouTube as well. John, thanks very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. You got it, man. Happy to do it and uh, definitely looking forward to the next crossover. Of course. Thank you. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez as we just talked about the signing of Ryan Strom and also again, Thanks to John Chick for joining the podcast from Locked On Rangers. Really appreciate having him on, and it's always good to have some good crossovers with some colleagues from the Locked On Podcast Network. So thanks to Armando on the last podcast, and thanks to John on this podcast. And we'll have more crossovers as the summer wears on, and we'll bring back some guests that we've had in the past. So yeah, looking forward to this summer. All right, so... Talking about that last contract, it's not a bad contract for Ryan Strom, 5x5. Five five. I'll take that any day. But let's talk about some of the players that did not return to the Anaheim Ducks. And there are some weird ones out there. There's some big contracts that were had over the past week. So let's talk about some of them, some former Ducks. First off, Ricard Raquel, a six-year deal, $5 million per season. You know what? That's about right. I thought Raquel would get about that much money. So that one, that one I'm fine with. Then there was a couple other ones that were kind of going, hmm, yeah, those are good. The Josh Manson one, four years, four and a half. You know what? That's a good value deal for the Colorado Avs. Manson was an important part of that Avalanche team last season. And four and a half, you know what? That's not terrible. That's not at all. Josh Manson is only 30. He's still got some good hockey in him left. And Colorado could make another run at it in the next two, three seasons. So we'll see how that one plays out. Our old buddy, Andre Kasha, signs with the Carolina Hurricanes. One year, one and a half. You know what? I hope the best for Kasha. He's had a lot of concussion issues. 
he's been out more often rather than he played. And that's a shame because Andre Kasha was one of those dynamic players that you just loved watching. He put his heart out on the ice and gave you 110% every game. But because he's given over 100% per game, he's dealt with numerous injuries in his career. And that's one thing that you hate to see. You hate to see guys like that just continually get hurt over and over and over again. But I hope he does well in Carolina this season. Hey, maybe Carolina could be the Eastern Conference champions. Maybe Carolina will win the Prince of Wales trophy. You never know. Someone other than Tampa, please. I mean, yes, Corey Perry's on that Tampa team, but okay, they they've been there three years in a row. Enough's enough. You know, their their time has come and gone. They've won two. Let someone else win it. Some other former duck deals that I just I just gotta mention Erica Branson. <laughs> Four million per season for four years. I did not see that coming at all. Eric Goodbranson, his previous contracts were they, they were decent enough. I mean, he did have a cap hit of four million when he was, you know, playing with Vancouver and the Ducks. So he had that. Then he had that two million dollar deal with Calgary last season. I mean, what what is it? What is it about Eric Goodbranson that he gets that much money? I mean, please tell me what exactly it is. Would you give $4 million to a guy that scores at most six goals in one season? Oh, by the way, that six goals, that was last season with Calgary. In his brief time with Anaheim, he scored four goals, which was a career high at the time. Four goals, six goals. So based on that, you're going to pay him, what, 800000 per goal? Probably. <laughs> I I just don't see the $4 million. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't. I projected him to get two and a half, but four for four years. And there was even other sources that projected him getting a two, at most a three-year deal. Holy overpay Columbus. And speaking of Columbus, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Johnny Gaudreau. That massive contract, $68 million, seven seasons. You know what? That makes up for the good Branson deal. Johnny Gaudreau is a Columbus Blue Jacket. Let me repeat that. Johnny Gaudreau to Columbus. I still cannot believe that one. And one other that I just... Okay, this one was a little ridiculous. Nick Delorier is a fan favorite. He was a super fan favorite here at Anaheim. And he even became a fan favorite in Minnesota. Philadelphia just gave him four years at 1.7 per season. But it's kind of the other stuff that makes this a little bit weird. So there's trade protection for Nick Delorier. He's got a modified no trade. A 20-team trade list. You heard that right. For Nick Delorier. He's got a $1 million plus a $1 million signing bonus next season. Then $2 million the following season. Then one and a half, one and a half. Really? $2 million for Nick Delorier. Okay, I love Nick Delorier. He's always been one of just those guys that I liked having on the team. But he's 31 years old. He's on the downslope of his career. The most he made was a million per season. 
Remember that cap hit of a million, that somewhat safe two-year, $2 million contract. Okay, that I liked. Getting him at a million per season, I could handle that. A two-year deal, I could handle that. But four years, $7 million. All right, Philadelphia. And speaking of Philadelphia, what the heck is going on over there? What are the Flyers doing with all their signings? Yeah, they got Tony D'Angelo, and that's going to cause a ruckus. They got Nick Delorier. So what are they? Are they the Broad Street Bullies reincarnated now? Is that what's going on in Philadelphia? I mean, I want your opinion. Tell me, what is happening in Philly this season? I really want to know. But going back to Nick Delorier, his career high in goals was 10 with the Canadians. And I say this kind of half-jokingly, but half-not. You never know what you get with Nick Delorier. Still one of my favorite and, frankly, most bizarre moments took place right before the pandemic shut everything down. For those of you that were there, you remember this. Remember the day that Nick Delorier got a hat trick? I'm sorry, not just any hat trick. He broke the Ducks record for the fastest hat trick in team history. Let me repeat what I just said. Nick Delorier currently has the Anaheim Ducks record for the fastest hat trick. He did it in 11.49. A natural hat trick, mind you. This was March 10th, 2020 against the Ottawa Senators. That was the day before everything shut down, and it was already weird as it was, and there was maybe, maybe eight to 9,000 fans there at best, because that was the week when fans were starting to stay away, when there was rumors that the, you know, the virus was starting to go around. Fans were not quite there. Out of the maybe 6,000 fans that were at the pond, when he scored that hat trick because there was a lot of fans still waiting outside or buying their food or just hanging out around the concourse. And I know because I was there, it was a loud 7,000 that gave him that hat trick. And there were quite a few fats, hats <laughs> that went out there. Free hats for Nick Delorier. And that happened. So, hey, I, I guess maybe Philly thinks that he can score a hat trick again. Is that it? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. That's going to do it for this special bonus podcast on Saturday. And as a quick reminder, I mentioned this on the last show. I will mention this again. We will not be having five shows per week on the audio side starting next week. We will be going into our summer schedule next week. I'm hoping to get four shows out next week, but I will be going on vacation And then after that, we'll be at about three shows a week. We will still have content. We will still be talking about minor leagues. I got to talk about minor league contracts next week. So expect that to come next week. And the Ducks aren't done. They will make one or two more signings because they still haven't reached the cap floor. So we're not completely done with coverage just yet. We'll talk about free agent signings. We'll talk about minor leagues. We'll talk about coaching because I think it's important to talk about that. So we will still have content, but the five a week will be over starting next week. But as always, I want to thank you, the fans, for your continued support. It is greatly appreciated, and especially you fans 
that have reached out to me on email, that have reached out to me on Twitter. You guys, like the ones that reached out and had kind words, you guys are amazing. So I want to thank you sincerely for your continued support. Thanks for making this your first listen of the day. Go ahead and make Locked on NHL your second listen of the day. And don't forget, this podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, among others. You could hit me up on Twitter at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter is at LO underscore Ducks. And if you want to drop me an email, you can do so at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for your support. It's greatly appreciated. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great weekend. Please continue to be safe out there, be kind to one another, and ducks fly together. Fly together.